Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the preview show ahead of Bayern Munich's perhaps biggest match of the season against Bayer Leverkusen. Yep, this is the one that could determine everything. Of course, we won't know the final outcome of the league title after this match, but whoever wins this one will have a big leg up on their opponent. And right now, Bayern Munich and Bayer Leverkusen are the two heavyweights of the league. They are slugging it out. Bayer Leverkusen, I mean, what can you say? This match is everything to them. They've worked so hard to get to this point. They haven't lost a match all season. So uh, Xabi Alonso has them exactly where he wants them. Of course, they are going to be coming off a midweek DFB Pokal win over VFB Stuttgart. So this is definitely a situation where both teams are probably weary. Bayern Munich, it's just the accumulated mileage for a veteran team on those legs, Bayer Leverkusen having just played on Tuesday, that's going to be a tough situation for them. But I have a feeling that both teams will be amped up. I'm not so sure it is going to be the prettiest match to watch because, quite frankly, I think there's going to be a lot of desperation. I think there's going to be a lot of physical play. And I think it's going to be sloppy. But in the end, it will be an entertaining match. And I'm sure that all Bayern Munich fans are going to be looking forward to watching it probably on the edge of their seats. So this should be a fun one. Like we always do on the preview show, we look at where each team is in the Bundesliga table. It's not hard to find them, let's be honest. With Bayern Munich, they are in second place. They have 16 wins, two draws, and two losses through 20 match days. That's good for 50 points. Uh, Over the course of their last five matches, Bayern Munich has four wins and one loss in the league last week. They had a 3-1 win over Borussia Mönchengladbach. They have 59 goals for, 19 against for a goal differential of 40. As for first-placed Bayer Leverkusen, <laughs> See, it still seems weird to say that, but they are handling it with a plum. They are just, they've been great this season. Through 20 match days of their own, they have 16 wins, four draws, zero losses. That's good for 52 points, putting them two points ahead of Bayern Munich. Over the course of their last five games, they have four wins and one draw. Last week was a 2-0 win over Darmstadt. Two weeks ago, they did have a nil-nil draw with Borussia Mönchengladbach. And like we talked about in the Pokal on Tuesday, they edged VFB Stuttgart 3-2. Bayer Leverkusen has 52 goals for 14 against. That's good for a goal differential of 38. So you can look at the numbers, you can look at the form, and you can see this is it. I mean, behind these two teams... You have VFB Stuttgart with 40 points. You have Dortmund with 37. You have RB Leipzig at 36. And to round out the top six, you have Eintracht Frankfurt all the way back at 31. So it's pretty clear. Whoever wins this has a great opportunity to win the league. Bayern Munich will be ramped up for it. Bayer Leverkusen, I'm sure, will be ready to fight. This is going to be a hell of a match. I, I don't know what else you could ask for on match day 21, but... This is going to have a lot of intrigue, a lot of excitement. I know I'm pumped up for it, and I think a lot of fans are too. Uh, But one thing that is, (laughs) I guess, also pumped up is Bayern Munich's injury list. And what can you say? Things just keep piling up for Bayern Munich when it comes to injuries. Let's take a quick rundown of everything that they have going on right now. Manuel Neuer battling some knee issues has not practiced on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, I'm recording this on a Wednesday, so we already know that he has not trained. Uh, on Monday, it was very curious because it was a rest day, allegedly, but now we know it was much more than rest. He's got some knee problems going on. That said, 
I'd be very shocked if Neuer did not play in this match. Also banged up as a goalkeeper is Daniel Peretz, who, again, this is every week. We're just giving updates on him. He's making progress, has come back, done some individual sessions. So it's good to see the Peretz, who who Bayern acquired earlier in the season, is, is really starting to work his way back because it's not that he's needed, but it's nice to have that body in training. Tom Ritzy holzman another goalkeeper who has been banged up. Uh, even if he was healthy, he would be the fourth option. Uh, Dio Upamakano is working his way back. Uh, Upamakano had, of course, a muscular injury, torn muscle fiber. He could be ready to go in this one. He probably should be ready to go. He joined first team training on Wednesday, so that's a, a pretty good sign. Uh, this player, Kim Min-jae, is not injured, but he was on international duty with South Korea. He's expected back, expected to train with the team on Thursday. I would expect if he comes back healthy and he's fresh that Tuchel's going to roll him out because we know that Tuchel favors that tandem of Kim Min-jae and Dio Upamakano. Tarek Buckman is still out and still working his way through some injuries. Uh, we've seen that he's doing some individual work, but with the torn muscle bundle, we just don't know exactly how much longer that could keep him out of action. The early prognosis was mid-April, so it's been a lost season for Buckman, to say the least. Alfonso Davies, yet another defender who was injured. Davies has had a ligament strain, MCL. He will be out until mid-February, maybe longer. We just don't know what's going on with Davies at this point um, in terms of his health. So uh, with Davies, it's a situation where you don't want him back until he's fully healthy. Interestingly, Transfermarkt has Nusar Mizrawi as uh, having a fitness issue, but I don't see anything else around that. So I'm not going to take that too seriously at that point. I think, you know, Nusar Mizrawi last week uh, played two-thirds of the match. thought he did pretty well, uh, had, had a good impact on things. And uh, I think he was just removed, honestly, because he's coming off an injury. He was on a pretty tight international schedule with Morocco and there was no reason for Thomas Tuchel to, you know, put some extra mileage on him. So he brought in Sacha Bue, who came in and did a nice job as well. Joshua Kimmich, another player whose status uh, is up in the air at this point. He has returned to first team training. Looks like he'll be ready to go. Thomas Tuchel's going to have a very interesting choice in that midfield to make between three players right now who are all playing pretty well, in my opinion, anyway, when it comes to Goretzka, Alexander Poblovich, and Kimmich. And I know Kimmich is not high on a lot of people's <laughs> rankings right now, but I think Kimmich's been pretty good. And I think that uh, if he's back, he'll probably start, but we'll take a guess at Tuchel's lineup in a little bit. Conrad Limer, another, another player who's out. Calf injury, he's out until right around mid-March, so I don't think we'll see him for a while. Kingsley Coman, ligament tear. He's out until April 25th, at least, they're saying at this point. So his MCL tear will keep him out that long. Serge Gnabry. I feel like this is like some kind of auction or something. We're going down this injury list. It's crazy. He's expected back later this month, maybe as soon as a week and a half to two weeks. So Gnabry will be a welcome site for Thomas Tuchel to have some options in the attack. Not listed in transfer marks, but what we know has been going on is Brian Zaragoza has also been ill all week. So this is just, I mean, this is a Bayern Munich team that can't catch a break when it comes to injuries and illnesses. 
Now, Zaragoza, it didn't take him long to catch the Byron flu. <laughs> he was just joined last week. The injury gods took their took it out on him right away for making the move from Girona. So, or I'm sorry, Granada. Uh, but Zaragoza, it would would have been nice to see him at least get through the first couple of weeks without something going wrong. But of course, he is sick right now, and it's it appears to be a pretty serious sickness because it's kept him out for multiple days now of training. So. Bayern Munich, absolutely uh, not exactly where you'd want to be in terms of injury situation, but this team has been resilient. They seem to have been able to fight through things, and people have been stepping up. So I think if you're a Bayern Munich fan, you're pleased with what you've seen, and you, you probably think that this is a team that's been around long enough that they know how to compensate for injured teammates as for Leverkusen uh, they're in pretty good shape for the most part a uh, couple of injuries of course Victor Boniface is the, the big one uh, with an adductor injury but this is a very good team this is a quality quality side uh, you, you know we always like to take a, a quick rundown through the roster and you look at some of the names and you, you look at Edmund Tepsoba, Piero Hincampe, Jonathan uh, Tah. Josef Stanisic, Bayern Munich's old friend, Alejandro Grimaldo, Jeremy Frimpong, Granit Xhaka, who has made just a tremendous impact on Leverkusen. Ezekiel Palacios, probably a player I should have mentioned earlier. He's got a muscle injury. Don't really know exactly the timeline yet, or at least I haven't seen it. So Palacios, uh, I know that that's a very iffy situation for them, but he's been very good for Leverkusen this season. Florian Verts, Robert Andrich, two players who have, again, positive impacts on this team. Verts is regarded as one of Germany's best young players, if not its best young player. He is someone who Bayern Munich fans will absolutely keep an eye on during this match. Jonas Hoffman, another player linked to Bayern Munich in the past who has had a good season for Leverkusen. Uh, Hoffman's had a very positive impact, even though he's getting a little bit up there. In age at this point, he has uh, he's done it, and he keeps doing it, which is a big credit to him. Nathan Tella, a winger who is a, at 24, has had a very nice season. Patrick Schick, striker who has done pretty well. I mean, for himself, all things considered, in Boniface's uh, with Boniface out. Adam Holozik, a player who was linked to Bayern Munich at one point, check forward, who uh, hasn't not has not necessarily been the kind of impact player that I. Th- think Bayer Leverkusen was expecting so uh, I don't know that he'll even get any run in this match but he is a player that if he does come on I'm sure will be looking to impact things as well so very good Leverkusen squad very very good Bayern Munich squad that is banged up so there's a lot going on with this uh, with this match and when you look at just the magnitude of it I don't know how you couldn't be excited about this kind of throwdown that we're going to see I mean, these are two heavyweights of the league. And, and no matter what you feel about Leverkusen, whether you think they are Neverkusen or not, this is a very good team. Xabi Alonso has taken this squad. He has molded it into a force, a team that's so resilient that it will not allow itself to slip up and lose. And he has done just a fantastic job, so much so. And he's gotten so much attention that Liverpool, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, and even Chelsea now are all sort of kicking the tires from a distance on him. And I think, you know, the situations with Bayern Munich and Real Madrid are are definitely more stable 
than some of the uh, other situations. So I don't know that you would see movement that way. But we know Jurgen Klopp is out at Liverpool after this season. Xabi Alonso has very good ties to Liverpool. We know that Chelsea is just in a state of flux at all times. So Mauricio Pochettino is, is a coach who many people regard highly, but also a coach who is on the hot seat big time at this point at Chelsea. And it's very hard to think about what things could be like for Xabi Alonso after this season and what kind of decisions he's going to have to make for his career. What is something that will appeal to him is sticking around with Bayer Leverkusen and taking another run at it. And this time in the champions league worth it for him, or does he seek to jump now to one of those bigger clubs? It will be one of the more fascinating subplots that develops over the course of the second half of this season. But we do know <laughs> that Alonso is going to have options. And when we think about options and we think about Bayern Munich, we absolutely know that the club at this point is all in on Tuchel. It seems like they are going to ride Tuchel. They are going to let him finish out this deal through the end of next season and then start to look at what the future might hold. I don't know if that's the right move. A lot of people don't think it is. I don't know what other choice Bayern Munich has right now. The decision to fire Julian Nagelsmann and hire Tuchel when they did sort of eliminated the spontaneity to be able to adjust to a situation like Xabi Alonso's right now. You can't continuously jump to new coaches because this is the time that you can get them. And if we all remember back when Nagelsmann was let go, aside of some of the internal issues that, that Nagelsmann had and some of the things going on with his decision-making with the squad, one of the primary drivers for why Brazo and Oliver Kahn went out and got Tuchel was that they were scared Tuchel wasn't going to be available after the season. So in a true panic move, they fired Nogglesman in the middle of hunting trophies, which was insane and proved to be the downfall, both of them. And now the club like it or love it or, or hate it, whatever they're stuck with Tuchel. And now they have to find a way to try and make it work. The downside is, and this is truly a downside. There's no guarantee that after a year and a half from now, Tuchel is even going to want to stay at Bayern Munich. So for everything that's going on, all the criticism that Tuchel has taken from the likes of Didi Haman and others, it's not without merit. There's no situation here where you can look at Tuchel and say he's fully committed to Bayern Munich. He's fully committed for the next year and a half. No one knows what's going to happen after that. The, the club itself is trying to build this team in the vision that he has, which again, I question why you're building a team in a coach's vision who is only tied here for another, what, 15 months or so, 16 months. I don't get it. And unless the club thinks that Tuchel's going to re-up and he's going to extend and it's all going to work out beautifully, I don't know what's going on. So aside of this big match, there's this underlying theme behind Bayern Munich right now is what the hell is going on <clears throat> with the club and what is going on in terms of how they are planning for the future. But that'll all be a discussion that we can hit on many other times later. But for now, we are, I don't know, I'm excited about this Bayer Leverkusen match. All of those subplots, when you look at them between the two teams, Xabi Alonso facing his old squad, Florian Verts, a player who has been linked 
to Bayern Munich many, many times, someone who many feel is going to be the future of Bayern Munich. There's a lot of intermixing between the two clubs. Uh, Verts is definitely one of the players who I think just about every Bayern Munich fan is going to keep an eye on during the match. And it's not just because of his tantalizing ability. It's because you want to see what the future might hold for you. Because as we know, Verts is a 10. That's his best spot. That's where he impacts the game the most. That's where he looks best for Bayer Leverkusen. No matter how you feel about his Casper the Ghost-like performances for Germany, he has been extremely good for Leverkusen. The problem with any potential transfer to Bayern Munich is that Jamal Musiala plays the 10 right now for Bayern Munich for all intents and purposes. And it doesn't seem like he's likely to want to make a move away from that position. Bayern Munich is doing everything to keep him happy. And yes, there are potential ways to play them together as as uh, with formations featuring two attacking midfielders. I don't know that the two players are going to complement themselves, at least at this stage. Maybe with maturity, with experience, they would be able to find a way to make it work. But right now, it seems like two youngsters competing. And when we've seen the, the brief periods where we've seen this with Germany, it hasn't looked great. And I think that long-term, if Bayern Munich were to pursue Verts, that it would be something there, something would have to give. And whether that's Musial moving to wing or a coach, whoever it may be, finding a way to, to devise a formation that would maximize the talents of both players without upsetting one or the other, you're going to need to be creative with that. So there are interesting subplots just within the game between the two clubs. Another player that that Thomas Tuchel we know likes is Jonathan Ta, who has become the scourge of many fans of the German national team because he just hasn't been that good. But for Leverkusen this season, Ta has been good. And I've been a, a critic of Ta and his play for Germany and previous with previously with his play for Bayer Leverkusen. But this year he's been really good. And right now, Bayer Leverkusen is living in the moment and they're red hot, and that means everything. So you, you have this other situation with Ta, very similar to Verts, where he could become the kind of player that Bayern would pursue, depending on what happens with Matthijs de Ligt. So you have a lot going on. You have both clubs, you know, one, having interest in each other's players, because right now, Josip Stanisic is a right back for Bayer Leverkusen, and he's on loan from Bayern. I mean, there's a lot going on with it. So it's a lot of fun to just look at it from that way if you want to see pers perspective, rosters down the road interest in other players but I, I like that there's just a lot of different subplots i like that it all builds up to what we're going to see on the pitch and what we're going to see on the pitch remains to be seen from Bayern munich because quite frankly the injury situation has left thomas tuchel with a lot of big decisions to make now when i go and try and predict this lineup i'm doing it on a wednesday so a lot could happen a lot could change between wednesday and saturday uh, and with so many key players up in the air right now, I expect that a lot will change. But we'll take a run at it anyway, because what the hell, that's what we do here. Uh, in between the sticks, we'll go with Manuel Neuer. I think that all this precaution around Neuer's knee issues, I think it's smart. You don't want to overwork him during the week. You have a massive match this weekend. Neuer is a veteran. Yes, he's coming off a game where he made a tremendous gaffe that ultimately led to a goal. I don't think he would do that again, whether he's training this week or not. So I think that Byron is playing exactly right with Neuer. You have to rest him. You have to get him ready. Put him in the best position to be healthy enough to play against Leverkusen and then rest him again after that. 
because you don't need Neuer during the week necessarily. You need him to be healthy. You need him to be fit. And that's all that counts at this moment. When he's healthy enough to get back to resuming full training, by all means, get him in. But I would say keep this cautionary way of handling him going. Uh, as far as the center backs go, a very interesting choice for Tuchel here because it does look like he'll have four available. And this is the 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 thing that we had talked about. When you have Dio Upamakano back healthy, when you have Kim Min Jae back from international duty, and then you have the emerging presence of Matthijs De Ligt, who has played well in their absences. You have Eric Dyer, who was fantastic last week and was great. You have four players you could conceivably throw out for this. Now, right off the bat, many people and most fans would, would take Dyer out of the mix, and that's probably what is going to happen. And, and I... I'm not going to predict that he starts, but I will say about Dyer, he was great last week. And I think he's been solid since Byron picked him up. And this is one of the things that a lot of people, I think, overreacted to. You didn't want a superstar out of Dyer. You wanted someone who was going to come in and just be solid when he was called upon. You wanted someone who was going to ease Kane's comfort level as well. I think Dyer has been a great pickup. For both of those things so far, because he's when he's gotten the opportunity to play, he's done really well. And he's also been that. Listen, he's been the friend that Harry Kane probably needed at Bayern Munich. So, hey, listen, you killed two birds with one stone. Bayern Munich should really be commended for getting that deal done and doing so in such a cost efficient manner. I don't expect Dyer to be the difference between winning a Champions League and not, but I think you need players like him to come in and play a role, not just on the field when called upon, but in the locker room. He seems to be doing really well. With the lick, it really does become an issue because there's been there have been so many transfer rumors right now linking him to other places, including Manchester United and FC Barcelona and some others. It... it it kind of still kills me that this was the guy that, I mean, I personally thought he was Byron's best player overall last year, let alone its best defender. And Tuchel, for whatever reason, made the decision that, hey, he's just my third guy now. So you're going to have Upa Meccano coming off an injury. You're going to have Kim Min Jae, who is, I'm going to be honest, Tuchel has run him into the ground. You knew South Korea was going to run him into the ground. That was never a doubt about that when it's international play. But this guy has picked up so many miles this season. I'm really worried about what his state physically is like because I thought he was wearing down before he left for international break. He had really shown some signs of fatigue. His performances, in my mind, had dropped a bit. I would prefer to see Delict and Upamakano in this match, but it's Tuchel, and I think he's going to go with Upamakano and Kim Min Jae, which is a risk. Because you have a quality attacking side in Leverkusen. You have a couple of center backs. Now, granted, you could say this about any combination he picks. They haven't played together in a bit. And I don't know how sharp Upamakano and Kim Min Jae are going to be at this stage. I'm a little worried about the center back tandem. And, and you might say I'm overreacting or I'm being too critical of the players. It's not necessarily about their talent. It's at the state that they're in at this point with Upamakano coming off an injury. And Kim Min Jae... You know, he had some injuries in the first half of the season. He's been fatigued and tired. I, I, I'm really worried about that spot. And I think there's going to be, there are going to be situations where that twosome could get caught napping 
just because they're beat up at this point. So I'm worried about the center backs. I wouldn't be opposed to Delict playing by any means. I think Delict and Upamakano might be the way to go here, but it's Tuchel. He'll pick Upamakano and Kim Min Jay. It's just how I think it's going to go. At left back, I don't think you have many other options than Rafael Guerrero. Sure, you could slide Nusar Mizrawi over to the left side. He's done it before. He's he's capable of doing it. But I, I think in this situation, Tuchel likes Guerrero. It wouldn't shock me to see Sacha Bue at right back and Mizrawi at left back. But I think he goes Guerrero, and I think he'll go Mizrawi at right back. And I think we will see Sacha Bue at some point come into the match and take over for one of them. And if he takes over for Guerrero, we will see Mizrawi slide to the left side. So Tuchel's got some options there. I think he'll take advantage of them. And it could be a situation that really plays out in the next couple of days with training as to which way he goes. But it does seem like Tuchel likes Guerrero. And he. it'd be hard to take Mizrawi off the pitch because I thought he was pretty impactful during his time last week. So we'll see how it goes with that. But that's how I think Tuchel will go with it. Midfield is definitely another area like center back where Tuchel has options and very tough choices to make. I thought Goretzka and Alexander Pavlovich were really good last week. I thought Pavlovich has been quite frankly, great since he started playing. And again, not ready to anoint him a permanent starter. I'm not ready to say he's going to be the next Bastion Schweinsteiger or anything like that. Uh, he's not the, the next six. That's Javi Martinez. Like, we don't know any of that yet. What we do know is he's been really good so far. He has stepped up to the plate when the team has needed him, and he has performed. And this is not something you typically see from youngsters. The kind of poise that he has shown, the kind of ability that he has shown on the pitch, I don't think anyone expected this at the beginning of the season. I certainly did not. He was kind of an afterthought to me, someone that a young kid coming through the youth ranks, a homegrown who might potentially have a chance to do something down the road, but I never would have thought it would have been like this. I kind of pictured the whole Angelo Stiller kind of pathway for him that he would have to move on to really get his opportunity and show what he can do. But Pavlovich, he has absolutely done more than anyone could ever have asked from him. And he has shown such good ability, such good talent and I keep going back to it. It's his composure that amazes me because it doesn't seem like he gets rattled at all. And I know this would be a very tough spot for a young player like that with everything on the line like it is. So I'm very intrigued to see what Tuchel does. In the end, I think it will be impossible for Tuchel to keep Kimmich off the pitch as much as Tuchel has stood up to Kimmich. I think you have to kind of roll with Kimmich right now. He has fought so hard and worked so hard to get himself healthy and uh, and approved to play this match. I think you have to roll with him. And I think if you roll with Kimmich, I think you got to go with Goretzka as well. These are guys who have done it before. They are people who are keystone players within that locker room. They're holding it together. And I think if Tuchel makes the decision to go with Pavlovich, I don't think he'll be disappointed, but I do think it opens him up, no matter what he does, really, for criticism. Uh, if he keeps Pavlovich on the bench, people are going to say, why would you do that? He's been great. If he goes with Pavlovich over Kimmich or Goretzka, they're going to say, how could you keep a veteran on the bench in a big game like this? Tuchel can't win in this scenario. 50% of the people are going to be unhappy. 
So I think in this kind of case, when you look at everything and you factor it all in, I think from a head coach's standpoint, he looks at the two veterans who have been very capable this season, despite what many other people think. And I know a lot of you will chase me out of town with torches and pitchforks over that statement, but I think they've Kimmich and Gretzky have been good. I don't think they've been great, but they've been good. And I think you have to go with them here. You have the option of bringing Pavlovich off the bench if you need to, but I think this is, this is the way that they're going to go. I think Tuchel realizes where this team is at. And I think you want to keep morale as high as it can possibly be heading into a match like this. So Kimmich and Gretzka will be the way to go. The attack, there are some positions not in question. Harry Kane will absolutely start. Leroy Sané will be one of the wingers. Now, I want Sané to get a break. Obviously, I've been campaigning for this. He needs to be down for an entire game where he can maybe even get a rest day before the game, get a rest day after the game, and then resume training. It's not happening this week, obviously. It won't happen in the Champions League against Lazio next week. He needs to then potentially take some time off in the Bundesliga, just a game. Just give the guy some rest. Tuchel has run him into the ground. I think it's clear he's fatigued. I think it's affected not just his physical play, but his mental play. He looks tired. Sometimes we see those visible signs of frustration with him. This is a guy that, simply put, just needs a break. So give it to him, Tuchel. Just not this week. They need Sané to, to power through and fight through whatever he's doing. But if he's having an off game and it looks like one of those situations where he's not confident, you might have to look at what's going on in the game and who's available around the 75th minute to see because I don't think letting Sané out there to accumulate more of a physical beating than he's already taking is worth it. You do need him, but you also need to think about him in the long term for this season. As far as the next two spots go, the other wing spot and the attacking midfield spot, because we, we know that Tuchel's going to come out in a 4-2-3-1. It's almost guaranteed at this point. Brian Zaragoza would have been an interesting option, but he's missed most of this week, or at least everything so far, because of an illness. So that has probably taken him off the table for Tuchel. So he is now back down to some of those other options, which include Jamal Musiala, Thomas Muller, Matisse Tell, and Eric Maxim Chupo-Moting. Chupo, as much as Tuchel has rolled him out in some really odd circumstances this season, I don't think Chupo's getting the call here, so we'll take him off the list. Matisse Tell is a very interesting option to play wing because I, I think he can do it. I don't know that this is the spot, though. In, the, in a very similar manner to, to what I feel about Pavlovich, eventually these kids have to play in these situations, I don't think you need them to right now, especially when your other options are Musiala and Thomas Muller, who I think are obviously better players right now, but also could be more impactful in a match like this. I personally would go with Thomas Muller as the 10 and Musiala at wing because I believe that's the best option for this team this season. I don't know what Tuchel will do. Uh, and it does make a difference as to who plays which position because Musiala, in my mind, is still a better wing. And I know he took some heat from some of you about how he played wing last week. I was fine with it because in the end, I'm more concerned with how he's breaking down defenders from the outside. When he got the ball centrally last week against Gladbach, I thought he was more mistake prone. And I thought it actually he made worse decisions than he did as a winger. And just because he didn't contribute 
I think production wise, like many people wanted, I think people thought the move was a flop, but I didn't think so. Cause I think at the 10, you got more out of Mueller than you would have gotten out of Musiala. And I think Musiala, quite frankly, I mean, now that he's got his feet wet again, playing wing, you keep rolling him out there and letting him do what he does from that position. And you're going to get results from it. So I hope it will be Musiala at wing and Thomas Muller at the 10, but we'll see what Tuchel does. He certainly has options, and he certainly has his own ideas. When it comes to predicting this game, it's huge, right? Massive game, determined so much. Where do you go? What do you do? Who do you look at? Bayer Leverkusen, by all accounts, who should pick against them at this point, right? They're home in this match. They haven't lost all season, and quite frankly, they've been a pretty dominant force. At some point, however, Bayern Munich has to show that it is indeed Bayern Munich. It needs a statement win. It needs a statement win on the road. And it's got to show that this is not just the team with a bunch of stars. This is a team star-filled that can play together. And I think that's what this match is all about for Bayern. Can they win this one as a team? Can they play in a way that gets the most out of their players? And, and what I mean by that is, are we going to see Harry Kane dropping in to, to play a pseudo six position? Or are we going to see him in the box, being a presence, drawing attention, which naturally creates space for everyone else, which I thought he did more of last week and helped the team? Are we going to see Thomas Muller playing the 10, actively working to set up Kane like he did for so many years with Robert Lewandowski? Are we going to see Musiala and Sané breaking other teams down from the outside, creating offense for themselves and the team? Are we going to see Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka making those timely runs into the final third, impacting the game offensively, but then quickly transitioning back to help with a counter? That's what Bayern Munich needs to do. That's what they need to play like. That's what fans need to see. And the team needs to have a statement win. I think they'll get it this week. I don't think it will be easy. I think we're going to see a 3-2 victory for Bayern Munich. Yes, it will be a barn burner. Yes, it will have fans probably biting their nails. But I think Leverkusen is really, really good. I think they're really motivated. They're really confident. But for the first time all season, someone needs to take their heart. And Bayern Munich needs to do that. They need to step up to the plate and be the bully in this situation and win the match. So 3-2 Bayern Munich. That's what I think. I'd love to hear what you think about the match. So drop it to me in the comments, whether it's on Spotify or on our site. I want to hear your predictions and what you think about this one. I had a lot to say, obviously. I know you do too. That'll about wrap it up for the preview show. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our tweet meister, Tom Adams, at TommyAdams71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Siler at CYL3R. You can get all of our great podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. Stay tuned for more Bavarian Podcast Works later this week when we will have the weekend warm-up drop, which will happen on Thursday. We'll also have our post-game show following the match. And then, of course, our flagship show, the one that got it all started at some point on Sunday being recorded for Monday's release. So you've got a lot going on from Bavarian Podcast Works. There's even more going on at Bavarian Football Works. Hang with us and check it out. So enjoy the match this weekend. Have a couple of beers on me, and we will see you next time.